What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Talking Hockey. This is Jack Bushman, my partner, Eric Moneybags. Hurt Money, it's been a while, big dog. How you been over there? It has been a while. Been doing good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, good to have you back on the podcast, man. It's uh, been a little bit since the uh, All-Star break, actually. It's, so it's been a little bit of a stretch here. It's been quite a stretch and quite the change of things happening. Yeah, honestly, we, we got some good stuff to talk about here, Bags. Today is Monday, February 18th. The Blackhawks, man, right in the middle of a playoff race, which we wouldn't have thought we'd be saying a month ago. They're still playing that like mediocre to decent brand of hockey at best, but with the bad Western Conference right now, it's it's kind of getting the job done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and Blackhawks kind of are in a weird spot to be in right now because I know some fans are upset that the Hawks are winning and they likely won't now get a top five or maybe even a top ten draft pick at this point. When everyone knows, you know, the Hawks really aren't going anywhere, even if they do sneak into the playoffs. But I just think watching a winning team, it's just so much more fun to watch. And the past two months have been – tremendously more fun to cover than November and December, more fun than November and December were for sure. Would you agree, Bags? No, absolutely. And you know what? You play to win no matter what, because hopefully these next couple of years, we should be doing better and get back in the playoff form. You know, it's not a total rebuild. So, you know, you play to win, give the young guys some experience. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think, um, let's say the Blackhawks do somehow sneak their way into a playoff spot this year. I think, you know, Blackhawks, they were projected by most people to not even be close to that this season, last place in their division. So even in a year where the Hawks were supposed to be, you know, in a down year and not make the playoffs for them to, if they do make the playoffs, I think that's just a huge accolade to uh, the future of this team. And that even though we only have some of the pieces, those certain pieces that we have are very strong pieces. I think it's just a a positive all around uh, going forward in the future, obviously. Absolutely. Yep. Only going up from here. Hopefully. I, I think, I just think, ah, uh, I just can't watch a team tank on and lose games on purpose. You know, I just think that's not fun to watch. No, um, absolutely. It's going to make, it would make the last two months of the season seem like they're like five months long every night, just getting slaughtered. So I like this brand of hockey right now. I like being competitive. It should be a fun race down the stretch, no matter what now. And anyway, even if we like, were to be a bottom team, like finish as a bottom team, really after Jack Hughes and Capo Keiko, it, this draft is a crab shoot, you know. No one really knows what three through the rest of the first round are really even going to look like. So right. even if we were to be bad and you people are wanting to be bad to have a better pick, you're not it's not a guarantee that you're going to be you're going to get a stud. I mean, last year the Blackhawks drafted seventh and Adam Boquist looks like a pretty solid piece for a number seven overall pick. So mm-hmm. there's always going to be the positives and negatives of each side, but I think the Blackhawks uh, should ride the course right now and continue to uh, play this, this way and just let, let it, uh, let it play its course, let it play out on its own. Whatever happens, happens. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, this draft, there's really no huge pieces outside one and two. So, you might as well play uh, hopefully see and there's really no points in tanking. There's really yeah, no so, one this year that would be an immediate help in exactly. the draft. So That's what I was just about to say. You, you never really know. We could end up eh, with like the twelfth, thirteenth pick overall, and we could could find ourselves a nice uh, piece to the future there as well. 
So looking at the Blackhawks right now, Bags, uh, since we last talked, they've played a couple of games, two games against the New Jersey Devils and the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they split those two games at home, beating the Devils 5-2. to two. And then Artemi Panarin and the Blue Jackets stole the show, beating the Blackhawks 5-2. to two. So it continues to kind of be evident that the Blackhawks, they will beat bad teams, and they're in a favorable point in their schedule where they're playing a lot of bad teams right now. So they continue to beat bad teams. But when they play against, you know, high-powered offenses like the Boston Bruins or the Columbus Blue Jackets, they struggle defensively, and it's very evident. So I think that's just kind yeah. of what that's what we are, you know. We're a middle-of-the-pack team. That probably it's going. They're going to win games that they are supposed to, but against better teams that are playoff caliber teams, our defensive depth just isn't there. With Seabrook and Keith having to play twenty minutes a night in special teams play, mm-hmm. it just can't happen. Absolutely, right, right. And Henry Yoki Haru, he's in Rockford, so it's just kind of the defense is all over the place. Yeah. He's... He should definitely be up, though. We're just in that tough limbo. Yo, he should definitely be up. No no doubt about it. It's frustrating that he's not when we're in, like, our most crucial point of the season. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, without a doubt been one of the best defensemen the Hawks have had this year. And in my mind, right. in my mind, how I would have it, Hawks defenseman this year, it's even hard for me to say who's been the best. But I would say the top three guys who have been the best defensemen for this team this year, I would have to say – it would be Murphy, Yoki Haru, and sadly Keith, probably. Yeah. But I would put Yoki Haru in that category, would you not? No, absolutely. No, he's he's been a lot better than I think people give him credit for. Especially at nineteen um, years obviously old. Obviously still young, yeah, right. You're super he's super young, so he's gonna make mistakes. But going back on the point though, you want your young guys in on the run with you and this is playoff hockey every night, and I feel like you should be there and experience that, you know, it's only gonna give them give them positive uh, outcomes of being a part of this, more, like, more important hockey games of the season than just being in Rockford, and, yeah. you know. But that's just my opinion. No, I, I would I would agree with that as well. I just think uh, Stan Bowman, I think just as a whole organization, we're really caught in that tough limbo right now where the future is without a doubt more important than today is. But we still want to win today, you know. There's there's some right. there's some points being left there on the table for us. And like if we, you know, look at the St. Louis Blues. All of a sudden they win ten in a row, and they're not even in the wild card contention anymore. They're in that third uh, divisional spot. So like that's how bad the Western Conference has been. There are chances lying everywhere right now for the Blackhawks. And I think yes, Yoki Haru in Rockford. He's going to play power play minutes. He's going to play all facets of the game and. He wasn't going to play power play time with the Blackhawks because the Blackhawks really play only one power play unit. Mm-hmm. But I still think that, like you said, these last 24 games here down the stretch, they're, they're all playoff games. They're all must-win, we-need-two-points type of games. And I right. think for him to learn that style at 19 years old at an NHL level rather than playing all facets of the game at an AHL level would be better for him. But – Mm-hmm. It is what it is. We have a complete log jam of defensemen right now. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really just kind of an open tryouts for the defense back there right now. We're seeing Cuckoo get slotted in and out, Forsling in and out, Dahlstrom even in and out as he's been kind of shaky as of late. So um, mm-hmm. down the stretch here, I think it'll just be really interesting to see um, what each player gives to the Blackhawks down these last 24 games, especially the guys that are free agents at the end of the season, just because, 
you know, who really knows at this point who's going to be sticking around on the back end with uh, the log jam we have. You got to think, obviously, Keith's probably not going anywhere, even though there's been talks of him being moved. I just don't mm. think he's getting moved at this trade deadline. No. Um, Seabrook, as much as that sucks, he'll be there. Connor mm. Murphy's not going anywhere. And then I think Gustafson with his offense has just solidified himself that he's not really going anywhere. Right. Power play wouldn't be the power play without him. Exactly, exactly. And the power play has been a problem for years now, you know? So Uh right when you find the defenseman who's actually giving you some uh, momentum on the power play, it would kind of be a shame to go and trade him. So those are four guys right there who are going to be around for sure. And obviously we have Boquist, Bodan, Mitchell, Chad Chris is expected to sign at some point. And then you got Dahlstrom, Cuckoo, and Forsling. That's more than 10 names right there for potential defensemen next year. So that's why I'm excited to see what Cuckoo, Forsling, and Dahlstrom are going to give this team down the stretch the last 24 years because it's pretty much a tryout to uh, be around for next season, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as much as I love Gustafson, and like I said, the power play won't be the power play without him, I seriously think they should try and move him this deadline. I mean, if the price is right, because looking down the road, there's really not much room for him. And, I mean, who knows, maybe we even see Boquist up for his nine games this year and bring Yoki back and kind of try out the power play again. But, I mean, it's so hard in this position where we're in a playoff push. It's like, do you try things out for next year or continue to roll with the way things have been and see where it gets you? But, I mean, I think I think they got to pull the trigger on Gus if the price is right. If they could get, like, a first for him, that'd be – What would you say I'd the right price that. would be? If it, if it was – all right, if it was – if it was a first-round pick, I'd I say think it would take be, a first-round pick and a prospect a pro, for Gustafson. It's got to be like a B prospect. Yes, yeah, I would. Like a mm. forward B prospect. But I was thinking like teams Gustafson would be good on. I think um, – Who like needs Boston, offense from the back or, end? No, Boston but could kind of use offense the from their back end. But they got Krug. I was thinking about this the other night. That's There's true. a perfect fit. There's a team I'm trying to think of that he'd be perfect on. That's like Winnipeg. But I guess Winnipeg. Buffalo, they got Buffalo and Morrissey. But I'm trying to think of like teams Buffalo. that really don't have that real offensive. Threat. Maybe like the the Buffalo Sabres, maybe? Sabres. That's an interesting team. I don't know. The I mean, Blues, they, even. The Blues could use some scoring from their back end. Yeah. They've been great getting it from uh, Petrangelo lately. But besides Petrangelo, no one really back there scores that much for them. That would be an interesting, a real interesting right. fit. But how bad would it be to watch it's Eric Gustafson pan yeah. out in St. Louis? Yeah, no, I don't think I'd be able to sleep at night. That would be tough. But since we're on the since we're on the topic of the uh, trade deadline here, bags trade deadline is a week from today officially. Mm-hmm. What are your uh, What are your thoughts on the Blackhawks buyers, sellers? Uh, stay the course. What What do you think? Uh, who do you think we should? Obviously, the names are thrown around over and over again. But what realistic options do you think the Blackhawks should pursue? Um, I think they're definitely still going to be sellers. I mean, you could buy through selling if you try and get some prospects. Give them like it's we're just in that scenario where exactly we're just right so already. Tough. So, but I think you got to sell. And I do too. I don't think you have to sell as much as they probably were planning on. But I would really like to see Cahoon get resigned. I really liked his game. I like Camp. I like to see maybe a niece mom get moved. Uh, I mean, sod for the right price, even. But I mean, he's he kind of does solidify that third line, and but sod's been good. He's got 19 goals more than last year. Right, right. Also, uh, also, since we talk about Brandon Sod, the unluckiest person of all time, 
Absolutely. He has 19 goals this year, which is more than last season. And he has hit the post nine times, post slash crossbar nine times this year. Wow. Found Imagine if just half one, huh? of those. What'd you say? I said you found the stat on that I one, did. Huh? It took me a little bit, but I found the crossbar post. I think, who's hit the most? The most, I know, uh, I think Johnny Gaudreau was up there. Johnny Gaudreau and Tyler Sagan, I think, were the top two post hitters in the league. And I think Brandon Saad was third or fourth. God, that's crazy. But imagine if just half of those would have won in for Saad. He'd have 24, yeah. 25 goals right now. Mm-hmm. 30 goal scorer maybe, which he's only done once in his career, which is kind of weird to say for someone that makes – makes he, he makes six mil a year, and he's supposed to be that you know top six guy that's a goal scorer, but he's really only scored 30 goals once in his career. I would like, me personally, if we could try and package maybe him and Nisimov and try and get either Stone or Duchesne at the deadline. I think that would be interesting. I think that would be in- them. Yeah, because I mean I, that clears up enough enough cap room right there between those two to sign Mark Stone long term nine mil a year, whatever he wants. Nine and a should, half yeah, or, he's he's gonna want nine. I, I would bet. definitely prefer Stone over Duchesne. I would think and put him. Stone I'd take with Duchesne as like the Hosa. That would be I dope. would take him, obviously, but yeah, you know, I'd take Stone Stone's, over Duchesne. Stone's a good penalty killer, you know, power play. He's a beast. Good defensive forward. He's a good all around player. He's like Marion Osset's style style player. The, but. the only way I would go out and make a big move for Matt Duchesne, uh, Mark Stone, or Ryan Dezingle, there's been talk about all three of those oh, guys. Ryan, Ryan Dezingle, yeah. hometown boy, I, Chicago yeah. boy. Forgot. So there's been talk for all three of those guys. The only way I would go out and trade for them this deadline is if we have a guarantee that they're signing an extension because I'm not risking, you know, giving up some young talent and them dipping for these last 25 games, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think the Hawks should continue to be – I think they should be sellers. But, yes, as you said, probably not as big as sellers as they thought they'd be, you know, a couple weeks Mm -hmm. ago. But I think – I think if someone wants Chris Kunitz, you got to let him go. You got to respect him as a veteran. Um, Get a seventh he's just, for he's just not playing. Take him, I'd take a fifth or a sixth for Kunitz. I would straight up. Yeah. Like we, we took Kruger. we took Dylan Secura <laughs> in the sixth. You know, you can roll yeah. the dice and get somebody good or someone with potential. But I think if you can get rid of Kunitz, you got to let him go just because. Yeah. He can provide veteran aspect to some team that could use him more than we do. Right. Um, I think no one's going to want Marcus Kruger. We're not going to be able to get rid of him. I still don't think we're going to be able to get rid of Anisimov. He has a 10-team no, or 10-team trade list, so, you know, that makes it oh, hard for true. him to move. Ottawa's definitely not on that list. Ottawa's definitely not on that fucking list. There's no chance Ottawa's he on that list. Ottawa's, Ottawa's on times. no one's list. He writes down Ottawa's <laughs> Ottawa, 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 Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no, yeah. But that, that, um, that, uh, Partial no movement clause goes away at the end of this season, so it'll be easier to move if we can move him uh, at the end of this season. Brandon Saad, the only way I would trade Brandon Saad is if it's in like a package deal with either, as you said, Anisimov or maybe Gustafson for a strong defenseman, a guy like Justin Falk, who I know Carolina isn't really shopping as much, but Darnell for like Justin Nurse Falk, yes, or Darnell Jesse Nurse. P. Yes, that's the only way I would trade it. Even then, that would be a hard trade for me to be a part of. Pugliarvi and Nurse for... You'd have to get like a second. Oh, man. That would be tough for like Gustafson and Saad. That would be tough. That would be tough. But, I mean, it could happen. 
But uh, another guy I'd like to see moved would be John Hayden. I think John Hayden. Yeah. I I just I was listening to um, Mark Lazarus and Scott Powers podcast earlier today, and what Mark Lazarus was saying is just what I feel too. Like I don't get what it is with John Hayden. He's got size, he's got speed, he can shoot, and he's like everything that the Blackhawks don't have. You know, like the Blackhawks right. have like no grit and like no big guys that can go like battle and still like produce but he just can't put it together i mean it's a tough role on the fourth line playing seven minutes at night but i I feel like that's i feel like that's a role he'd be playing next year too and if we get something better for him we should do yeah yeah but that's That's just my opinion i take i take martinson over him i mean they both pretty much provide the same thing maybe hayden a little (sighs) more offensive upside but the physical game if you're just looking for a physical fourth liner I mean, we already have Martinson. There's just no point to having two of the same players. I mean, although Martinson's in the AHL, right? Yeah. Yeah, but, he's in Rocky right now. Probably for the rest of the year. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. But another name that I think we should try to trade if we're going to keep playing him like this, Brennan Perlini. Why not yeah. move him? He's not dude. Yeah. He's not going to come back if we're playing him like this. If, if he does come back on a cheap contract, that would be a miracle to me. Because the Blackhawks, right. Loki, I think – if I were him, I'd kind of be – I kind of feel He's frustrated. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I feel like I, he hasn't been given a shot ever. <laughs> right. Like, I think he played on the top line with Jonathan Tays for literally one game. Mm-hmm. And he scored 17 goals last year for the Coyotes, a second most on the team besides Clayton right. Keller. Like, he obviously shown – On a team that score. doesn't score. Yeah. Exactly. So, like – I if, if he's frustrated right now and if the Blackhawks are getting the sense that he's frustrated – I would try to move him, even if it's like a yeah. third round pick. He's gonna walk. I think he's walking. I would walk if I were him. How? Yeah, and it's annoying they don't try him with Sod and then he's Like I always like, think that would be a solidified third line. I know, and they'll like do that for like three shifts in the first period, and then they right. don't play Perlini down the stretch. They like right. don't play Perlini in the second or third period at all. Half the time he plays less than Kruger and fucking Hayden do. That's frustrating to me. It is, yeah. I, I mean, you definitely got to try and move him. Yeah, I think you should try to move him, Hayden, Kunitz. I think those are the names that come right to mind. Forsling, maybe, if Price is right. We just haven't seen the consistency out of Forsling that we really would have hoped to see by his third season. I think you do. you got to clear the slate of all these defensemen. There's so there's, many. There's no better time and get the most at the, than at the trade deadline. I mean – you know, Keith and Steves are staying. You know, Murphy's staying. And then you got three open spots for Yoki, hopefully um, Boquist next year, and then one open for one of the other three prospects we got, and then have exactly. one more rotating out. So I think you got to clear clear the pipes at the deadline as much – or not all, but at least one or two. Gustav Forsling is so tough to judge, too, because he's only 22 years old. Oh, but man, if someone offers a first-round pick for him, I would have a hard time saying no. I would because, yeah, he's 22 years old, but this is really his third, like, full significant stretch of NHL time. And every year it seemed like he's hit that inconsistency, like, bump where he struggled. Or he's gotten injured, you know? I just – I love his speed. I love his ability to carry the puck out of the defensive zone. But I just haven't seen it from him yet, and – with, like we said, with just the log jam of defensemen that are coming up, if we could get a first round pick, if we could have two first round picks in this upcoming draft, that would be huge. Yeah. 
especially after a season like this where we're like on the fence when we like aren't good really. <laughs> that would be nice. We definitely have to restock the the prospect pool because forward wise, we really don't we have, have anyone coming out of the the woodwork. We really need to work on the bottom six too, or like the fourth line, especially in this off season. That's that's also what I'm kind of interested in uh, seeing from the Blackhawks here down the stretch. Is if uh, let's say the Blackhawks they kind of hit a rough patch here, they kind of fall out because they are only five points back, low key from last place in the Western Conference. They're, they're three right. from a playoff spot, but they're only five points ahead of the Los Angeles Kings right now. So if the Blackhawks were to struggle down uh, the stretch, what forwards would they like bring up to play? Uh, you know, give give some minutes that we haven't seen from you. A guy that comes to mind, um, Anthony Lewis, we haven't really seen anything yeah. from. And he's a pending free agent in Rockford at season's end. Uh, Victor Edgesell, we haven't seen from this year at all. He's uh-huh. a free agent at the end of the year. While that deal, you know, we thought Edgesell was going to be, like, the big part of that deal. He's, like, the last part of that deal. We got uh, the pick that got us Bodan and the pick that got us Kirashev. Mm-hmm. So, like, even though Ed Schill hasn't made the NHL this season, that hasn't really hurt us too badly. But uh, we got a lot of free agents in Rockford right now. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Jacob Fortan Nielsen. Still. Fortan, we do have signed for uh, – we have him signed through next season as well. So, I, I think he'll probably stay down there for the rest of the season. But Luke Johnson, he's a free agent at the end of the season. Anthony Lewis is a free agent at the end of the season. Andreas Martinson. Um, like I said, Jacob Nielsen. Uh, there's, so there's a bunch of guys right now that down there that we don't really know what we have in them. And um, if the Blackhawks do fall out of the playoff race here, uh, I think the future, uh, obviously it is a priority right now. Uh, it would be interesting to see what kind of guys would come up because we haven't seen a whole lot from those guys this season, to be honest. Just seen a, right. plethora, just seen a plethora of defensemen. Mm-hmm. Speaking of defensemen, holy cow, I forgot this guy even existed. You remember Blake Hillman? <laughs> Yeah. He's a free agent at the end of the year. There's no way we would sign him. Uh, yeah. He's just another guy that fell into the log jam. Is he playing the AHL right now? Yeah, he's in the AHL right now. Let's see what kind of numbers he's got. Haven't He he looked like he was going to be – He scored his some, first AHL goal last year. When he yeah, no, he played like uh, the last like 10 games with the Hawks last season. What was it? Out of Denver, University of Denver, good program, Ian Mitchell. Yeah, he played four games for the Hawks last year, and he had one goal. So that's interesting. I – he hasn't really done anything for Rockford this year. He's got no goals, two assists in 38 games for Rockford. Ouch. So, safe to say yeah. Blake Hillman is toast Malone, bro. How old is he? Is he 21? He's 23. So oh, yeah. He played, uh, he played a full four years at Denver. So, wow. yeah, with just a log jam of defensemen coming up, there's just no way. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, with the trade deadline coming up for sure how the Blackhawks – handle their current roster because there's a lot of guys that uh you know in a week or in a couple months could not be around so i think the blackhawks should try to see what they can get uh for pieces that they're just not 100 percent confident in right now so that's like you know a gustav forsling uh brennan perlini if the price is right eric gustafson so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, some guys on this team could not be around in a week's time, bags. It'll be interesting to watch, and I love, uh, I love watching the trade deadline. It's like oh, one of my favorite parts of the year, man. I love that stuff. It's awesome. It's like Christmas. It really is. Watching all the guys go to no- new teams, you're like, oh man, he's gonna be jumping on that line. Oh man, he's yeah. gonna be jumping on that line. 
So, yeah, hopefully Stan Bowman, uh, as he has for most of the uh, 2018-19 season, continues to make good small moves. Uh, and and right. I think since it's fitting, it's his birthday today. Slater Cuckoo, happy birthday to Slater. Uh, he's been another nice small move just because his birthday. We'll mention him real quick. I, I tweeted about him today. In eight games with the Blackhawks, he's got one assist, uh, 23 hits in eight games, playing about 17 minutes a night. So, honestly, for a trade for Jan Ruta, who has not played uh, a second of NHL time <laughs> with the Tampa Bay Lightning, that was a damn good move by Stan Bowman right now. Yeah. Even, even if Cuckoo, you know, he doesn't resign at the end of the season. I, I've liked what I've seen And we moved up in the draft. Two, exactly, two exactly. Yeah, so um, Cuckoo just gives that defense some size that we really need back there. I wouldn't be surprised to see him if he signs something cheap. I think him and Dahlstrom are kind of those – one of those two guys uh, is not going to get re-signed. I'm not really sure who it's going to be yet. Uh-huh. But I think with just the logjam of defense and we have, both those guys are RFAs at the end of the year. I think we're going to have to pick one or the other. And it'll be interesting to see who the Blackhawks pick. I don't know. I think I would lean towards Dahlstrom right now. Uh-huh. But I'm not sure who I who I would keep around. What do you What do you feel about that, Dagi? Uh, Cuckoo. Same boat. I mean, it's, I don't know. They're they're both kind of in the same role right now. I mean, Granite Cuckoo was a first round pick, a lot more yeah. upside, but I don't know how high his ceiling is right now. If, but uh, I haven't seen really enough of both of them to give a fair judgment. I mean, I mean, seen enough, but yeah, that's why I think those these last time yes, yes, that's why I think these last twenty four games are so crucial, just because that's the you know the the image that they're going to engrave in people's heads are going to be. Uh, or Blackhawks fans' heads are going to be these last 25 games. You know, that's, that's how Blackhawks fans are going to remember them uh-huh. heading to the offseason. Uh-huh. So it'll be fun nonetheless, no matter what position the Blackhawks are in down the stretch. There'll be some good hockey coming up and some uh, good action and uh, hopefully some good moves benefiting the Blackhawks coming up uh, here in the next week. So now let's take a look at the Blackhawks' past couple of games now that we just got done talking about the trade deadline, looking at that game last Thursday against the New Jersey Devils, Cam Ward was in that. Chris Kunitz uh, was his 1,000th NHL game, which dragged the opening ceremony out long enough, just long enough to piss me off, where I was like, all right, all right, it's Kunitz. Come on, yeah. now, let's, wrap, let's wrap this up. We played about <laughs> 20 games here. <laughs> all right. Good, good for him, though. I mean, he was undrafted, four cups. That's pretty, that's pretty sweet. Good, good on that's him. Pretty solid career. Yeah, honestly, uh, I feel bad that he's kind of had a rot in the fucking press box all season just watching us play. Poor guy. Probably wasn't the year he expected when he signed here, but so be it. But looking at the game now, Blackhawks, the first period uh, continued. Both games we uh, saw against the Devils and the Blue Jackets, the first periods were just terrible. Uh, Blackhawks were dominated for the majority of the period to a hopeless and injured New Jersey Devils club. Damon Severson scored off an Eric Gustafson turnover. No surprise there. And then later in the period, Travis Zajac put one home on the power play to make it 2-0. Bags, the first period continues to be a struggle for the Blackhawks, even against you know a poor team like New Jersey. We see ourselves get dominated. Yeah. Uh, it's just frustrating to see that coming out of uh, coming out of you know coming into the game, we don't have that sense of urgency at home like we should. And luckily for the Blackhawks, uh, they were able to put together a good second and third period Thursday night against the Devils to have a comeback against, uh, have a comeback win against the league's worst road team. Here's an interesting stat that stuck with me after this one, though, Bags. The Devils put up 43 shots on Cam Ward, 
They are the worst team in the NHL on the road. And they're also without Taylor Hall, their best defenseman, Sammy Vatman, Blake Coleman, and Miles Wood. What, what do you what do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, that is, that is kind of interesting. That's – I mean, what, what day was that game? That was last like, Thursday, so that was, yeah. Okay, four, yeah, I was five working, so I didn't watch the whole game. I think I might have saw a little bit of the second. Yeah, I know I know you but, didn't see the first period because you asked us how the first was. Okay. It, it was it was an ugly uh, first period. The, it just like – it just re uh, – it's kind of like a deja vu that keeps happening where it's like – the Blackhawks are – you know the saying when someone uh, when someone shows you who they are, believe them? Uh-huh. I think that's like the same with the Blackhawks defense. Like when they show you who they are, when they show you they struggle against a New Jersey Devils team that didn't have Taylor Hall, Miles Wood, or Blake Coleman, and they still struggle, that kind of shows you what the Blackhawks are. So I think that should right. put put into perspective uh, to Blackhawks fans, you know, how bad this defense really is. And, yeah, we're winning games, but the Western Conference is bad. And low-key, if we make the playoffs, man, I think we could just get stampeded by the Jets or the Predators in the first round. Right. It would really be but, ugly. Yeah, you never know. I love, I love to see them win. I'm just saying that yeah. the defense is – it is what it is. We know what we have here. It's clearly bad. And that's just what it is, Blackhawks fans. Just take it how it is. Right. Right. So, luckily, the Blackhawks, after that poor uh, first 15, 16 minutes um, – the Patrick Kane continues to make his case for MVP of the league, scored his 34th goal of the season to extend his point streak to 16 games at the time. Dylan Secura made the play happen by winning a board battle at the right circle. Kane made no mistake about it, firing a pass, a puck past Schneider to cut the lead in half. Bags, Dylan Secura, uh, kind of been a tweener up and down the lineup throughout the season, but it was good to see him here uh, pick up his first assist since coming back to the Chicago Blackhawks. Absolutely. And it's funny when I see him on the ice because I just think he's the fake Matt Duchesne because he's just got the speed, same number, red jersey. For real. <laughs> so I'm always like – Duchesne comes next year and he'll be like, yeah, I'm going to need that number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Dylan Secura, he no. – uh, I, I just don't – he's and another he guy. He robbed the other game too. Oh, my God. How did he not score that yeah. on Bobrovsky? I thought for sure he scored his first NHL goal in that yeah. one. He, uh, uh, Mark, Mark Lazarus was saying today that, uh, he asked Sakura about that goal and Sakura said he's watched it like a hundred times because it would have been his first NHL goal. He's still without that first NHL goal, mm-hmm. but he's kind of a, a player that's up in the air for me as well, Bags, because, uh, I want to, I want to say he's like a top nine forward of the future. But he, uh-huh. he's 23 years old. He's going to be 24 in June. He's getting old. He's also a free agent at the end of the season. And uh, I think his offensive awareness and offensive game is there. But we just haven't seen the consistent production out of Sakura that we have wanted yet. Uh-huh. So I, I'm just, like, hesitant to call him a top nine forward of the future. Right, right. Yeah, it's tough. It's there's a lot of players that are like just like him on a, on the team that are. Like, it's just like our bottom six doesn't do anything. Right, right. Like, who's good? Like I don't know. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like, tough. We to really judge don't have guys. a checking line. We really don't have a really good defensive line. There's just saying. a lot of fringe bottom. Exactly, bottom exactly. Players. There are a lot of guys that were like 
get like Saad and Anisimov, like guys that used to be top six guys that just like kind of got fringed out. And like, uh, I wouldn't call Anisimov like a center for a checking third line. Like, right. he's just slow. We need to get rid of him. But I don't know. Dylan Secura, good to see him make that make that play, win a board <laughs> battle, uh, get that puck to Patrick Kane. Hopefully, we'll see more of that from Secura down the stretch here because. I would really like to see him solidify that top nine winger role because I do think the offensive there, the offensive game is there. He's a former Hobby Baker nominee. Uh, he was the third leading scorer in college hockey last season. So the offense is there, man. I just really want to see it happen at the NHL level. Absolutely, and, and he I really hasn't it, gotten a chance with many that's what I'm saying. talented players too. So that's what's tough though. Is like those first two lines are going to stay those lines. So a lot of these players don't really have a chance to showcase what they have. I think that's where we got to uh, start double shifting Patty Kane late in the game on those lines, just to get them playing with some skill. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because there's just no speed there. And Artie, and if he's just like in Kruger and Kunitz and Hayden, like you're not going to produce much when you play with those guys. That's just a fact. Right. And so it's hard to judge. It's hard to judge someone when those are the minutes they're playing, you know, like, oh, really? He didn't score goals with uh, John Hayden and Chris Kunitz at wing. Who would have fucking guessed? Like, right. <laughs> so it, it, it's it's he's a tough one to judge. I, I don't want to uh, don't want to term him a bust or anything right now, but I think he's someone that we're going to bring back next season for fairly cheap. And hopefully he'll uh, continue to put together a more complete NHL game. He's someone that we need to uh, – we need him to pan out for the future. Absolutely. But uh, that goal from Kaner and uh, Sakura, great feed. That goal really seemed to fire the Hawks up heading into intermission because they came out looking like a different club in that second period. Drake Kajula would absolutely wire a shot home just 25 seconds into the second off a turnover for his 10th goal of the season and third as a Blackhawk. And just because it happened today, Brandon Manning on waivers bags. Ouch. Had to bring it up. That is, oh, man, a tough pill to swallow for the Edmonton Oilers. Peter Chiarelli is out as GM there, but uh, his impact is still being felt by Oilers fans. If you didn't hear the news, Blackhawk fans, uh, Brandon Manning was placed on waivers today by the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, a little, uh, A little over a month after he was traded to the Oilers for – Drake Kajula, for some reason, they threw him into that deal. Thank you. But Kajula's been great on that top line. Uh, third goal with the top pairing, 10th uh, on the season. So he's been uh, very good on the top line for the Blackhawks. Patrick Kane, uh, of course, picked up a secondary assist on that goal as well. And uh, with that assist, he broke a record that was previously held by Blackhawk legend Stan Makita uh, to Patrick Kane has recorded an assist in 15 straight games. Uh, he picked one up in Columbus, so 16 straight games now, which is just absolutely insane money bags. Patrick yes. Kane, I don't even – I we just talk about him every podcast, which I feel like is kind of repetitive, but that's how good he's been, man. Like, he's got uh, 37 points during that point streak that he has right now. So, 17 games, 37 points. That is uh, more than two points a game in that span. He's making his case to uh, win the Hart Trophy this season. So awesome to see him continuing to play at that pace in his 30-year-old season bags. It's crazy that he's on – He's this is his best year. Right. I think we've seen his best, but he just 
keeps getting better and showing us year after year after year. And I think this is, I just think this is more impressive than his 2015, 16 streak because he's not playing with Artemi Panarin. Like, absolutely. Yeah. He's playing with Jonathan Taze, but like those two have notoriously struggled over the past couple of years. So I think he's been better in this streak, which is crazy to say. And I hope uh, he continues to keep the streak going. I'd like to see him get into the twenties again. Uh, Hopefully he continues that. Uh, tonight against the Ottawa Senators. But uh, back, yeah, the Suns, baby, the worst team in the league. Ugh. Yeah. Got to take advantage of another bad team like we did against the Devils. Uh, so, yeah, after uh, that Drake Ajula goal, the Hawks uh, continued to dominate the pace. Jonathan Taze picked up his 26th goal of the season on a two on one off a beautiful feed from Slater Cuckoo, who picked up his first point in Chicago. Shocker here, Kane picked up an assist on that play as well. Uh, so, New Jersey would come back and put up 19, 19 shots on goal in the third period. But Cam Ward stopped them all as the Hawks would go on to win 5-2. to two. Artem, Anisimov, Artem Anisimov would snap an 11-game goal drought by putting home an Eric Gustafson shot uh, on a rebound in typical Anisimov fashion. And then Brandon Saad would go on to add a shorthanded goal to put the dagger in the Devils with his 19th of the season. So a very solid but expected win for the Hawks against the worst road team in the league. That was without, you know, four of their better players. Uh, and without all that, the Devils still put up 43 shots on Cam Ward. So that shows you how good the Hawks' defense is. A win's a win, but the underlying problems are still there with the Blackhawks. Um and as we said earlier, you know, they're going to continue to beat uh, bad teams. But, you know, against a good team uh, like the Columbus Blue Jackets, as we'll talk about right now and as they play on Saturday night, we're going to see uh, what happened. Uh, it was another um, rough showing from the Hawks' defense bags. And right from the get-go, another struggle of the first period. Blackhawks just looked like the inferior team against a playoff caliber team like the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Yep. It's always the first period, man. And they always show life in the second. But that first period, it's always hard to watch. Exactly. Like you said, it's especially like, against a playoff team, it really shows. And it like, exactly. never seems like they're ready like for the game. And they always get down. Second period's always good. Second uh-huh. period's always good. Last two months, second period's been great. It's just like they go through cycles. It's like they start playing good first periods. Oh, and then they have the terrible seconds. And then when they go – remember when they go down in the first period every game? <laughs> like ten straight games. Oh, man, that was tough. We'd always bet tough. on that. Yeah. Yeah, right. But looking at that game against Columbus in the first period, the first goal of the game would go to Columbus as Pierre-Luc Dubois would blow past Gustafson and roof a shot over the shoulder of Cam Ward. We saw Gustafson just continue to make defensive blunder uh, after defensive blunder in these two games. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking about with the trade scenario coming up, I just think Gustafson's a third-pairing defenseman. Yeah. And when you have Duncan Keith, who's, you know, he should be a third-pairing defenseman, it's hard to have both those guys on the same team. And Gustafson continues to show you what he is uh, in his own zone. So right, it's frustrating to watch him play as much as you love the power play. He's 26 years old. He's not going to grow into a defensive defenseman. He is what he is. Right, yeah. He's at his at his best for defensive-wise. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see the Blackhawks uh, decide to do anything with him at the deadline. I doubt it, but who knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who else but Patrick Kane would tie the game late in the first period on the power play? His 35th of the year now, which is tied for third most in the NHL. 
Beautiful passing play from Strom to DeBrinket, and then the Cat made a nice touch feed across the crease to Kane, and he settled it down to beat Bobrovsky with the man advantage. But things would quickly shift back in favor of the Jackets, though, Bagsy, as just 17 seconds after Kane's power play goal, Artemi Panarin took advantage of the Blackhawks' turnover and put Columbus back ahead 2-1 to one as Dahlstrom was caught flat-footed in front of his own net. Seems like the Blackhawks do that a lot, man. They allow a lot of goals when you can't afford to allow goals. Right. right after you score a goal, early in the period, late in the period. And they did that in this game, and those are the things that are going to shoot you in the foot. Mm-hmm. Kill all momentum. Exactly. Always happens, it seems. And then uh, the scoring wasn't done for the Jackets in the first, as with just 40 seconds left, Panarin would find Atkinson on a two-on-one to make it three-to-one at the end of the first First period has been rough to the Hawks lately, and a goal in the final minute just makes it hurt that much more. Uh-huh. Jonathan Taze did give the Hawks some life in the second by netting his 27th goal of the season and the only goal of the second period on that beautiful passing play from Gustafson. As Gustafson jumped down in front of the net, uh, circled the net, and found a wide-open Taze in front. Taze hasn't scored more than 30 goals since 2010-2011, man. It's crazy, crazy kind of to say, isn't it? That's that been is. eight years. It's been eight years since he's done that. But he's going to do that this season. He's got 27 now. So good to see Johnny uh, give the Blackhawks some life. And it looked like the Hawks were going to carry that momentum into the third. That would come to a halt as Artemi Panarin landed the luckiest goal I think I've ever seen. <laughs> you, you saw that goal. He wasn't even looking yeah. the right way. He wasn't even looking the right way, and it hits his stick and beats Ward. Uh, that, so that was just kind of that just kind of sums up the night for the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. It was all Panarin all night long. Three point night to steal the show, and the Hawks would drop the game five to two. After Josh Anderson would add a goal late in the third. And that brings us up to date bags where we currently are. The Blackhawks are 24, 26, and 9. Somehow only three points out of a playoff spot. That's how bad the Western Conference has been. But the Hawks do still have Colorado, Arizona, and Vancouver currently ahead of them and behind Minnesota. So the log jam does continue. Do you imagine making the playoffs with a losing record? <laughs> Dude, right now the Minnesota Wild are on pace for 84 points and they're in a playoff spot. That's stupid. Usually you need like 90 to 95 points to get in, and they're at, they're going to add like 84 project, projection-wise. So it's a crazy log jam. The middle of the pack has been terrible in the Western Conference. And with a soft part of their schedule, the Hawks need to take advantage, Bags. Mm-hmm. So quickly, I know you got to go here in a minute. Let's talk about the matchup tonight with the struggling Ottawa Senators, who are currently the worst team in the NHL with a 23-31-5 record. And they're the second worst <laughs> road team in the NHL. Uh, these two teams, they last played on the opening night of the NHL season, crazy as that sounds, where Patrick Kane scored an OT to give the Hawks a 4-3 win. So, Bags, we see uh, a battle of two teams moving in opposite directions. The Blackhawks have won eight of their past ten, and the Senators have won three of their past uh, ten. What do you expect to see tonight from a struggling Ottawa Senators team? I know you're a big Sens guy over there. What, what do you got to say? I am. I mean, I don't know why. I just have a bad feeling about tonight's game. It's definitely not going to be an easy <laughs> game for the Hawks. I just it never is. Like, like Duchesne or Stone, one of them's just going to go off. I mean, the the defense just cannot make any mistakes or not any deadly mistakes. Tonight, you know, the Blackhawks and the Blackhawks and the Senators are the two worst uh, teams in terms of goals allowed per game. Jeez. So take the over tonight, bags. Yeah. No, I mean. Defense, you know, if you're unsure, just freaking ice it. You know, don't 
Don't make any stupid passes. Get it off the glass. Get it up in the air. Get it out. And I think we should be fine. I feel like it's the turnovers that kill us. You know, every, it seems like every night one one or two goals are direct reasons of a turnover. Yes. And if you could prevent those, like, we could win way more games. So, just be smart with the puck tonight. I think we no should turnovers, be No turnovers and stay out of the box. Yeah. Kellen Delio, yeah, the, the only really good part about the Sens, they have a good, they have a good power play. Um, they're 10th best in the league, a little bit better than the Blackhawks. So, Blackhawks have a terrible PK. So, stay out of the box, clear the puck. Kellen Delia is back in net for the Hawks tonight. Hayden and Forsling return to the lineup for Kunitz and Dahlstrom. Patrick Kane's obviously on that insane 17 game point streak. He's got 13 goals and 24 assists during that stretch. Stop the Senators' top dogs of Matt Duchesne and Mark Stone. Uh, Shabbat, and I think the Blackhawks uh, should win this game tonight. Uh, very big two points on the line tonight. Uh, Blackhawks currently getting some help. I know the Calgary was beating Arizona uh, after two periods. Not sure if they ended up with a win. Colorado plays uh, Vegas Golden Knights tonight. So big opportunity is there for the Blackhawks to capitalize on mm-hmm. for them to uh, get two points tonight, Bagsy. Hopefully that happens Tonight, Blackhawks need to take advantage of a struggling Ottawa Senators team. Yes, sir. And uh, the Coyotes did lose today. They did lose? Yep. All right, that's big. So, the Coyotes lost. Hopefully, Colorado loses tonight to the Golden Knights. And hopefully, the Blackhawks take care of their own business, Bags. I think that will about wrap up this episode of Talking Hockey. As always, thank you to everyone who listened. I appreciate it so much. Bags, thank you for joining me, man. I know you got to get to class, so I'll wrap this up. All right. Everyone, make sure to give the Talking Hockey Twitter page a follow, which is at Talk Hockey for all Blackhawks coverage 24-7 and live tweeting of every Blackhawks game. Hopefully the Hawks pick up a much-needed two points tonight against the worst team in the NHL at home. Losing to the Senators would be very degrading, so I hope I don't have to deal with that tonight, Bags. <laughs> Hopefully, don't want to break out the <laughs> liquor bottle. Yeah, absolutely. Bring out the break out the Evan Williams. Bring out the Canadian Club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, thank you, everyone, again. I appreciate it so much. Make sure to give the podcast five stars and to subscribe. Go Hawks! Big win coming tonight. Until next time, make our defense great again, Bags. Get the class. Peace out, buddy. I'll catch you later. <laughs> take care. Bye. Peace.